Well, hello everyone out there in JDAI Connect land. We appreciate you joining us for another episode of our podcast. These are our kids, a podcast for JDI Connect. My name is Beth Oprish and I'm joined by my co-host. Shavante White. How you doing, Shavante? I am doing well. I I'm coming from cold Ohio to you are in sunny California. I am in sunny LA where we're going to have a high of 70 degrees today. The difference is I can go outside in this 30 degree weather and you and California are pretty much shut down. I am in the house. Yes. Yes. But shut up. You are not. So we are thrilled. I we're thrilled to bring, I, I think our viewers and our listeners, I guess, another episode of our podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're thrilled today to welcome our guest, Jared Garrett from Fayette County, Kentucky. He's a local JDI coordinator and of most recent fame, right? He has a bunch of skills and strengths and cool, great qualities, but he was our inaugural JDI Connect Engager Award also. So Jared, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, guys. I mean, it really is it's great to talk to everybody and to uh, see you guys virtually through Zoom. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. We are happy to have you here. All right. Well, I'm going to give a little information about what our episode is going to be about today. So we know that 2020 has been a very interesting year. I think interesting is the word that we can use because there have been so many things that have happened in 2020. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about what 2020 has taught you, Jared, when you think about the year in as a whole. What do you think have been the lessons that you have learned from all the things that 2020 has brought your way? You know, I think honestly, the biggest lesson I have taken away from 2020 is how to stay in the moment. I think before 2020, I was always so concerned on what happened tomorrow, what happened next week, or what was going to happen next year, right? You know, and then March 2020 happened and you had to really like pause in your moment. You had to, you had to stay still. You had to figure out day to day. And that was a big change for me. Uh, I, I realized that I'm probably a control freak. I like to control everything around me. And 2020 taught me, Hey, you really have no control at all. And to also appreciate what you do have and appreciate that you really have, that, that you really have a lot of privilege that maybe you weren't, you know, I was unaware of going into 2020. Um, just being thankful having, you know, my health, uh, my family being, you know, halfway healthy and just, just a lot, a lot of gratitude. And, you know, and also I think 2020 taught me too to, um, to be more flexible with how I live my life because you never know like when it can just all change in a matter of days or in a matter of seconds, you know? So I really think that's what 2020 was for me. And also it was an emotional year. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I am drained emotionally. Like, uh, as a person who's not overtly emotional, like, I'm just like, wow, this year has been, it has been a year. So um, I'm thankful, uh, you know, learn to stay in the moment and just um, come into to, to grips with my own emotions and my own humanity. So, yeah. you know, I think that's interesting. Like, we have been told to stay home. Yeah, we're busier than we ever were. 
Yeah. And then yeah. just the drain, the, the emotional drain. I mean, I really, you know, feel w- for what you're saying and, and can de- definitely identify with that. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, in, in not only in our work lives, but in our personal lives, I think so much of our energy before 2020 was spent on kind of trying to put on a face for everybody day in and day out and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. You know, I don't need any rest. And this year, I'm like, I need rest. I keep lifting that up in, in a lot of conversations, uh, personally and, and professionally. Like, it's okay to take a rest. It's okay to, to be tired. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be okay. Um, because that's, that's human nature. And we have to, you know, kind of keep on, uh, I think, elaborating on that more and more um, so we don't get into this form of you got to be straight-faced and, and never have any problems because that's not reality, you know? Shavante, I don't know if you're thinking about, we, we, PGI is doing this equity journey. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we keep coming back to is trying to put some cracks in the ceiling of the white supremacy culture, right? And one of the big, big parts of that is perfectionism. Yes. And trying to let go of some of that. It's okay to not be okay, right? Yeah. It's okay to take that break. It's okay not to be perfect all the time. So I really, it's resonating for me. I don't know about you, Shavante. It is. Exactly what Jared's saying. It's so funny because Beth and I, you know, as we were talking about season two of These Are Our Kids, and we really wanted to focus on lessons that we learned from 2020 and what we're hopeful for, for 2021. And as Beth and I were talking about those things for ourselves, it's like, Jared, your conversation is mirroring exactly what I said to Beth about what I learned, which was I had to learn how to let go of the idea that I could plan for my life and plan and just have this go with the flow. That was my lesson was what I learned was go with the flow. So it's really resonating to me that your lesson was, yeah, learning to be flexible, learning that you can't always have a plan because what we've seen with this year is a lot of our plans, most of our plans have kind of gone up in smoke so yeah that really does resonate and I feel like just from what we conversations we've had throughout the network and with other folks in our personal and professional lives it seems like that is a big um, that's a big lesson that folks um, are getting but I think speaking to what Beth said and what we're learning from kind of dismantling white supremacy culture is our jobs have taught us that we have you said we have to be perfect we can't ever show up and have had a bad day at home we have to leave that at home and 2020 we're, we're like no Life is rough. And, you know, and I think it it pushes the conversation even more. We start talking about, you know, the the kids and the families we serve, right? When it comes to that whole perfectionist thing, that sometimes, you know, when we say, well, why can't this kid go to school every single day? Or why can't this parent do this, be at this appointment or do this or do that at this time? It pushes, for me at least, personally, it this year has kind of pushed that more and more that things happen that you may never know and like you just like it's impossible for everybody to be on all the time and especially for those individuals those kids and those families who are you know poor um live in bad situations you know just have a lot of issues going on to expect them to come and be perfect every day is it's just it's impractical you know so i really think what you guys just lifted up i think was really really valuable and something that i i see even more in the communities that we serve with hey we gotta give people a break Everyone needs a break, you know? You know, and, and what you had said, you know, like what Shavante was saying, like as, as you're talking, it resonates with her because of what her lessons from 2020. I mean, I, similar lessons I had with you with 2020 is taught, 
it taught me and is teaching me to be more present in the moment, to be more appreciative. And then I, when you said this has taught you about privilege, like, I mean, I think that it's teaching, like, I never thought it was a privilege to work from home, right. you know, in a pandemic, it sure is, right? Sure is. Yeah. And so it's just like opening my eyes in different ways than maybe I was too busy or not willing to focus on or um, be present to. So I definitely resonate with, with some of the lessons that you've talked about 2020 has taught you. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of in that same vein, you know, you started saying how 2020, it, it has been a year. There has been, there have been so many different things that have happened in this year, you know, with the pandemic and with, um, you know, we had an ele election like we've never seen before. And um, we've had racial uprisings and injustices. And I know that there's been a lot of conversations, at least like uh, Beth and I shared, we are having, we have an equity journey that we're on at PJI. And just in, in my personal lives, you know, having those conversations around the, the, racial inequities that we've really seen come to the forefront in 2020. And there's been lots of conversations around that. And so Jared, I'm just wondering from you, like, what do you think um, could have, you know, in your opinion, what can we do to kind of go past just having conversations about race equity um, and, and moving that needle forward to actual changes or actions that, that we can take as a society or even as individuals to not just keep talking about what we want to see change or how change can happen, but to actually get to that change? Yeah, I think, first of all, I think we all have to, to take a moment and realize, you know, how, how tough the conversation is around race in, in America. You know, it's a tough conversation for a lot of people. Um, I, I would argue that it shouldn't be, but that it is, right? And I think some of the steps that we have to take, you know, in, in the JDAI and, and a lot of these communities, we always talk about intentionality. Uh, you have to have intentionality, but also you have to have a space for everyone. Uh, I think too often in, in some of our communities or, or some of our movements, it becomes so insular with either, you know, people who are professionals, so you can only have these people, or you can only have these people. And then in some other parts, well, you really want these people. And I think to make the, the, the race and equity talk more tangible, we have to have everybody there and we have to get out of the, the, like we have to get out of the cement of, we can only do things one way. You know, it's about being innovative. It's about understanding that each issue we talk about is complex. There's never an easy issue in my opinion, when we, we talk about people. So when we're talking about people, we cannot approach it as, well, this makes sense to me. So this is just where we're going to do it. Um, I, I'll lift this up too. Uh, you know, black women are, 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 are the key to this movement advancing in a more equitable way. You know, um, we need to understand and, and cherish that voice um, and, and, and allow that to grow. And I don't bring that up to, to be like controversial or anything, but it's just, you know, black women can really do a lot of work. And when it comes to the misogyny and the patriarchy sometimes of society, and even in, in, in black society, too often we I think we get bottled down in, in, in some, some things. And I think we have to just really give space, give room to grow and understand that leaders emerge from every single corner of every single walk of life, of every type of gender, sexuality, ethnicity, you name it, there's leaders there. And I think we have to uplift that, recognize that. And then when we identify that, go with it, you know, go with it. 
even if it's not comfortable for everyone in the room, go with it. Because if you're advancing my humanity and my right to be treated as a human being, you should have a space at the table regardless of anything else, in my opinion, so. You know, and yeah, wow. (laughs) But the contributions of black women over the course of, you know, not just American history, but the history of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Have been so overshadowed at times. And this is a moment to lift that up, but not just lift it up for the moment, right? But but to to see it for what it is, the contributions that they've always made, right? And I'm including my colleague and friend here, Shavante, right? To right. to recognize, I love how you just said that. You know, recognize it. You know, name it. You know, I guess that's recognize it. Recognize it. Name it. Listen to it and embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I don't think that that could have been put any more beautifully. I know. I'm like, that's just, that's something, but I, it's really powerful because I even think that just your, your remarks and your comments about what we need to do for race equity, just it, it, it's in alignment with even what you said in terms of what 2020 has taught you in terms of being flexible. I think a lot of times, like you said, when we look at movements, we have this idea of what leadership should look like and in order for this movement to progress, we need a leader. We need this kind of, you know, people in their mind think of Martin Luther King Jr. And that's kind of the the example that we lay out. And when we don't have that, a lot of times we even say our movement isn't progressing or we really need a leader and leadership doesn't have to be a sole person. I do think a lot of that is rooted in in patriarchy. It's like, we have all of these leaders throughout the the country and through, you know, that are stepping up. And a lot of them are black women who are leading the charge. And so when I hear those conversations about, man, we really need a leader. This movement doesn't have a leader. It's like, we have all these great examples of coalitions of folks who are doing this work. And we just have to look at it differently to realize, oh, we do have leadership. And it looks a little different than what maybe the civil rights movements of the 60s looked like, but that's okay because we're in a different time. And so just having that ability to, like you said, reflect and embrace something that may look different and still push forward with the fact that we all have the same goal. We all want equity. We want racial equity in the United States. And we have to take the ego out of it of, okay, I wanna be given like a title or I wanna be credited with pushing the movement forward, we have to remove that ego and just recognize we're all on the same team. We all want the same thing. And we can achieve that by always kind of being self-reflective and and recognizing, okay, this is moving where I may not be at the forefront or this person may not be at the forefront, but we all want the same thing. So I think that that was very eloquently stated. And I'm always here. You know, and and I, I think it starts with recognizing each other's humanity right? That we're all people. At the end of the day, regardless of the situation or, or the problem we're facing, we're humans. And we realize that human beings are imperfect. We realize that human beings have the same desire to, to be happy, to be loved, and to be, and to be cherished. And I think we can keep furthering that, that message too. So. so much more in common than we have difference. Yeah. So just remember that. Let's move on to 2021, Jared. Tell me, tell us what what are you, what are you most hopeful for as we embark on this new year? I mean, everybody's ready to say goodbye to 2020, right? Right, right. Just right. waiting for that to be in that rearview mirror. So, what are you looking forward to the most for 2021? In 2021, I'm looking forward to 
experiencing what the world is after 2020. I know that sounds kind of weird, but there's so much change that I don't think we really understand has happened already. And 2021 is going to be a time where the decisions and the, the information and the, the, all the knowledge that we gained from 2020 will be applied in 2021. So I'm interested to see, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how the world's changed, uh, how we all as people and as, as beings will uh, adapt. And I'm also excited to just feel the warmth of hope. You know, and that may sound weird, but I guess what I mean by that is I, I have hope now. I'm, I'm not hopeless, but I'm interested in, in a time where I know I made it through something that was so crazy. And it gives me hope that I can make it through something maybe crazy again. You know, I don't know. But just I'm just interested in just being on the other side of, of this and being happy. I'm waiting for five years down the road when we can sit back and say, oh, you remember 2020? Oh, this was <laughs> nothing like 2020. Yeah, 2020, <laughs> we had to do this, we had to do that. We, to, we couldn't do this. Yeah, remember, it's it's going to be a verb before you know it, right? It's, right. <laughs> it's, right. Oh, we're going to 2020, whatever that means, right? So, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to, that you have that sense of hope, right? We got, we got to get into 2021 with that sense of hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after this, a year like this, I mean, we got to look up, you know, it's right. we've seen so many things that we've never seen in our lifetime and we've seen them happen simultaneously. So right. looking forward with hope is, is kind of the thing that's going to push us all through. And, and it's good that you have that hope because after a year like this, we could be all ending it thinking, oh, just like you said, you're emotionally drained, but even with that, you still are like, I know it's going to be better. I know that there are better things on the horizon. Yeah. And you know, like, I'm a, like, I'm a pretty introvert. I'm, I am, I'm an introvert. Um, so like, I'm not a big crowds and go to the, the, the bar and be around a million people. Like, I really can't wait. Like, I can't wait to get to the moment where it's like a big football game and I can go and be around thousands of people and just, you know, like I'm looking forward to stuff like that too, you know, little things, you know, just little bitty things I'm looking forward to. Um, that I, I just think will make everything worthwhile, you know? Well, we're gonna get ready to wrap up here, but we got one final question. Yeah, so our final question for you, Jared, I think, you know, when we did the 21 day equity challenge on JDI Connect, we had this question that came up that was part of that challenge. And it was really, what is your why? And it really speaks to what is it that brings you to this work? What is it that keeps you going in this work. Um, I think it's important, you know, as we are all in this youth justice field and recognizing that we are impacting the, the lives of young people to, to kind of have that purpose and knowing what it is that keeps us here and brings us here. So we'd love for the listeners and for Beth and I to know what is your why? What, what brings you to this work? My why is really, I want to leave the world a better place, genuinely. Like I want it to be a better place for, um, the people who are less fortunate than I am. Again, it goes back to the whole privilege discussion and the, the conversation we were having earlier about privilege. I realized that I, 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 was, I was really lucky. You know, like a lot, of, a lot about life is luck. And I was lucky that I didn't have to face some of those obstacles that the kids, that the kids we serve and the families we serve face. And I wanna leave the world in a better place to where the juvenile justice system 
is nowhere near as punitive as it is when 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 I leave, you know, where true rehabilitation, you know, true rehabilitation is is offered. Um, empathy is is always the answer. Empathy is always the answer to people struggling in a situation. And it's not some sarcastic, well, here's a service you go sign up for to get you treatment. Uh, that we, you know, that we ask people how they're doing instead of telling them how they're doing, you know, um, that we're sociable, that we also understand that, again, when it comes to the racial inequity talk, that we have a country that has some deep scars and deep wounds that still aren't healed. And largely in our juvenile justice system around the, around the country, those are kids of color that are in those systems. And we haven't resolved those issues. And if we don't, and, and if we don't make it better now, like when are we gonna make it better? So I guess that's my biggest thing is I, my why is that I, I wanna make it better for kids and for families coming behind me. And overall, just make the world a better place if I can, because like people need it, you know, so. Well, if you haven't heard it today, you know, let us tell you that you do make a difference. Yes. Let us tell you that your work does matter. And we very much appreciate the work that you do on behalf of the kids, right? And know that you do make a difference. I appreciate it. I really do. I try. I agree. I think what you said, you know, in terms of if you as one person, I think sometimes when we think of systems, we think, oh, me, one person, I can't have an impact. But like you said, if you can meet one kid with empathy, meet that family with empathy, you could really shift the course of how they experience the juvenile justice system and really support them in getting to a level of stability or support that they may not have had if they met with someone who didn't have just some empathy and just genuine care. And I think that sometimes may be overlooked in our profession, but having empathy and really caring for the, the families and the communities you serve, it, it makes a world of difference. It does. It's that ripple effect. Yeah. yeah. I think that we may now be having a new award called the ripple effect. I kind of like it. I like how it sounds. I like that. Really yeah. Do. Next year we'll be giving out the, the Jarrett Garrett ripple effect award. <laughs> For somebody who's, I'm just speaking it into existence now. So I guess I think we are. I think we're on to something here. We're gonna have to make it happen. I'm writing it down as we speak it into existence. Yes. Hey, Jared, we we so much appreciate you taking the time to to be our guest on this episode of the podcast. Um, we really do appreciate what you do, but really appreciate the time that you've taken to to, to be with Absolutely. us today. I really appreciate both of you uh, inviting me on and, and just the great discussion we had. So uh, it was great. Well, we could continue talking through 2021, but we're 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 we probably need to wrap this one up. So, on behalf of Shavante and I, Shavante, thank you, Jared, and thank you to the listeners. We are excited for you to get to know a little more about Jared. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on our next episode of These Are Kids uh, podcast for JDI Connect. Stay safe.